You are listening to the Genesis Podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. So, for those of you who don't know, Karina and I are grandparents, okay? Thank you. It was a lot of work, but we are so, so excited. Judah was born last night, 6.55 p.m., 7 pounds, 1 ounce, 18 inches long. Uh, You know, Friday night when I went to bed, I'd kind of planned my week out so that I had Saturday off. A lot of times when I'm doing dog training and things, I'll have different days off, and Saturday is usually a busy day. And so I try and get some things done during the week so that Saturday, when it's filled up with the dog training, I'm not overwhelmed. But I had Saturday off, so I was really excited. actually went to bed late Friday night thinking I'll sleep in a little bit, and then I'll I'll get started on Saturday putting together a, a talk. There's a birthday party for Hadassah. Thank you, Sam and Sonia, for the birthday party for little Hadassah, three years old. That was a lot of fun. I didn't go in the bounce house I wanted to, but held myself off. So I knew we had a little party that we were going to go to, but... My wife got up early in the morning, she went walking, and then I got a phone call from her saying, they're at the hospital. And I was still kind of asleep saying, who's at the hospital? What's going on? And it's Jordan, Amanda, Savannah, they're at the hospital, they're having the baby. I'm like, what? Right now? Today? Because we weren't expecting it till later this month, but you know, that's how things happen. And so our, our day was hijacked, <laughs> and wonderfully so, and so... Went to the hospital, I, I forget what time we were there, probably around 5 o'clock. We were kind of texting Jordan back and forth. You know, she's dilated at 4 centimeters. They're going to wait till she's at 10. Okay, keep us posted. And then it's like, okay, the nurse says it's going to be an hour. I go, an hour? Okay, so we're on our way down there. And it, shortly after, uh, again, Judah was born. And it was an amazing uh, time. As we were there in the waiting room, Poor Amanda, she she just got brought into our family, and maybe she doesn't understand all of how invasive we are, but uh, we're all there at the waiting room waiting to to go and see Judah. We got the text, he's born, and we're all excited, and we're happy, and then Corrine, she's the one who really pushed this. She, She... said, let's go see, let's go over there. I go, no, hon, we have to give them space. We have to, you know, respect the boundaries of the hospital. She's like, no, let's go. So so we did wander over to the room and they were cleaning up little Judah and we were standing by the door just kind of looking and we got to see him, you know, being taken by the nurse and they're measuring him and they're weighing him. And then I saw my son and he saw me and I can't explain what an emotional time it was, you know. As you're raising your children, you want to experience life with them. And you you do so many things. You you maybe uh, are engaged with some activities. Maybe you go fishing if that's your thing. You want to fish with your kids or or you play sports or music or, or go hiking or mountain bike riding, whatever. You want to do things with your children to share life with them. But I can't think of something more engaging than sharing the idea of being a father. And so seeing him, it was overwhelming. We hugged, we cried, and had our moment there. Just saying, congratulations, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever been through. I didn't say that, but I am thinking that. But I'm also thinking there's nothing more wonderful. There's nothing that has shaped my life more as a follower of Christ than being a dad. Understanding what a dad's heart is and trying to allow my heart to be like the heart of my heavenly father. It's such an important moment in life and being able to share that with him. And so all this is happening and I'm supposed to be home studying, preparing a talk for you. And I did, don't worry. But I'm going to shoot a little bit from the hip uh, this morning or maybe shoot from the heart a little bit more. You know, last week we, we were talking about fear, how fear limits our lives, 
how fear becomes a master. Whatever things we fear starts to control us. And I'd wanted to talk about fear just because of the terrorist activity that had happened, because of the upcoming elections. You know, there's, there's a lot to be fearful of. Um, and I also wanted to talk about bitterness and hatred and how that also will limit our life. But I, I, I can't talk about bitterness and hatred. I just had a grandson. And so I'm not going to be talking about that. I'm going to be talking about a few other things. I'm actually going to be talking about how our lives have historic moments in them. Have you ever been a part of a historic moment, something that was just, this was something that people will remember in history, and you were a part of it? I mean, it happens in small ways with elections. When you vote, I voted for that candidate, and it happened, you know, when that takes place. I know back in 1969, there was just this iconic event, Woodstock, that happened. And some of you remember Woodstock. Some of you are like, what's that? I'm not going to talk to you for a while. But those of you who know that, there were over 400,000 people who went to this event in New York where all these big-name musicians came up on a stage, and for three, four days, they played, and it rained, and it was just this incredible event that was known for years and years and years. But when they did surveys to find out later on about Woodstock, they were surveying, finding out how many people went, and over 2 million people said they were, even only though only 200,000 actually were. I don't know. Maybe they were conceived... I don't know, but what happens, you know, is that people see something and it's so historic that they want to, you know, maybe they saw the movie and they were on LSD or something. It was back in the 60s, okay? And they just, yeah, I was there. I remember it, man. I was there. But the idea is here's an historic event and people want to be a part of it. But you seldom know when a historic event is taking place. You're just there. It's not till after the event that it becomes historic. A friend of mine was at a World Series with the Dodgers in 1988. He went to the game. I've never been to a World Series game. He's not an avid Dodger fan or even baseball fan, but he had connections. He got tickets. He went to the game, and he's at the Dodger game, the World Series, 1988, and the Dodgers are losing. They're down by one run, it's two outs, and he thinks, let's beat the traffic. (laughs) And so they get up and they leave the game. They get outside the stadium in time to hear the thunderous crowd as Kirk Gibson hits that epic home run that pushes the Dodgers to the win over the athletics and later on to win the series. And he missed it. He didn't know there was going to be a historic event. But there was. And we don't know when there is going to be a historic moment in our lives many times until after it's happened. And what we need to do is live lives fully engaged so that when the events happen, We are there and we don't check out and leave early. And these moments happen throughout our lives. You don't even realize that they're there. It's a conversation with your child. It's an interaction with a friend. And all these moments have to do with the relationships you're in and the people you're involved with. And you see, God is relational. God, whenever he moves in human history, he moves through people. And God developed this relationship with a man named Abraham. And through him, he engaged in a nation, Israel, not because he loved them more than other nations, but because through this nation, he wanted to actually bless the whole world. He told Abraham, it's through you and through your seed that I will bless all the nations. And so God is dealing with this people to establish through them a relationship that would include us. 
And so I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 35 as we see God starting to engage with this people. You know, God is so connected with humanity and relational that it shouldn't surprise us that God became man through Christ and gave us the understanding of what God is like as we see Jesus. I love one translation. It says that the word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. The idea that God is so relational that he couldn't just stay at a distance and try and communicate us with us, even as Hebrews tells us that in, in earlier times, God spoke to us through the prophets, but now he has spoken to us through his son because he is wanting to engage with us. And in Exodus chapter 35, we see God setting up the temple and starting at verse 4, we, we see how extensive his engagement is. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yawn, and fine linen goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, Spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastplate. All who are skilled among you to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle with its tent and its covering class, frames, crossbars, posts and bases. The ark with its poles and the anointment cover and the curtain and the shield that shields it the table with its poles and all its articles and the bread of the presence, the lampstands that is for light with its accessories, lamps and oil for the light, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the curtain for the doorway and the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering and its bronze Gratings, its poles, all its utensils, the bronze basin with its stands, the curtains of the courtyard with its posts and base, and the curtains for the entrance of the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard, and their ropes, the woven garments worn for ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garment. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, fine linen, or goat hair, ramskins, dyed red, or other durable leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yawn, or fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had the skill spun the goat hair, because it takes skill to spin goat hair, I'm guessing. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastplate. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings and all the work of the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make 
artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Ohiliab, son of Ahishamach, of the tribe of Dan, I got Dan right, <laughs> the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, and weavers all in them skilled workers and designers. So Bezalel, Ohiliab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Ohiliab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and whom was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord had commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already had was more than enough to do all the work. few things that we notice here is that the mic is going out. One of the things that is mentioned a few times is that word, all who were willing. We see it first in verse 4. You see, a historic moment was taking place. The Israelites were about to build the tabernacle. They didn't see it as a historical moment. They were in it. But we see that it wasn't something that was done because it was commanded of them. It said, all who are willing, throughout there, all who are willing, and those who are willing were involved. One of the things that is important that I, I think we understand is any service that we have towards God, it's going to be one that we do because we are willing to do this work for the Lord. It's not something that someone is commanding you to do, forcing you to do. When something takes place in, in this relationship that God is desiring to have, it's got to be done because we are willing. We are not constrained. We are not forced. We are willing to do that. And we see that as they are willing, God is going to work through those who are willing. So many times we think, I have to be talented enough. I have to be good enough when really what we have to do first is just be willing. I know that there are people smarter than me. I know that there are people more educated, gifted than I am at talking and communicating. I know that there are people taller than me better looking than me, younger than me. I'm a grandpa now, and I'm okay with that. But I am thankful I don't have to worry about all those things. If I am willing, God will take what I have, and he can make it useful. So I don't have to be the smartest. I don't have to be the most articulate. I don't have to be the best. And I don't have to compare myself to others who are better. But what I do have to be is willing. I have to be willing to step into the place that God wants me to be involved in. And a lot of times that's really what is lacking is people who aren't willing. I think of people who are musicians, who are talented. I've known so many talented musicians, but they weren't disciplined. They weren't willing to put in the practice. So many basketball players or other sport 
who aren't disciplined. Oh, they're as good as other people if they would just discipline themselves. But they're not willing to submit themselves to that discipline. And so their gifting, their abilities never amount to those that we know. Not because it's not the potential, but they're not willing to discipline themselves and serve in these areas. And it's important that we recognize that. But it's also important to recognize that once we're willing, that there needs to be skill. In verse 10, he says, all who are skilled among you are to come to make all these things that the Lord has established. And so willing is good, and then there has to be those who are skilled. Let's face it, there are some people who are willing to sing, but they're not skilled. I'm willing to dance, but it's not something you would want to see. It's not something you'd be willing to to watch. You see, having ability then is important because that is something that God wants. It's not just, oh yeah, you're willing. Okay, go ahead, do it. There's the willingness, the desire, and then there is the skill. Now here's the thing. Everybody is skilled at something. Everybody is gifted in some way. There are so many things. As we went through this list, you're looking at people who are, are able to dye the, the cloth and make it a certain color, those who are able to stitch it and put it together. And, and later on, he talks about those who, who are actually filled with the Spirit. This is the first time in Scripture we see that anyone is filled with the Spirit. And it has to do with an artist and their skill. I know when we think of Okay, we're going to come and we're going to be filled with the Spirit. People often ask me, so is Genesis a Spirit-filled church? And you kind of get insulted, you know, like, well, what, do you, what else is there, you know? What do you mean by that? But I know what they mean by that. They mean, does any weird stuff go on? <laughs> right? I mean, you know what I mean. It's like, are you a Spirit-filled church? Like what? Do we go off speaking in tongues? You see, because that's kind of spirit Filled means these spectacular things or these, you know, unusual things happening. Here, the first time a person is filled with the Spirit, we see that they are gifted artists. That they take their talents, their skills, and they're under God's control and they actually manufacture something that is a part of what God is doing. And what we need to recognize is that everyone is skilled in something. So some of you can... Man, you can put that goat hair to work. Man, you can spin that goat hair. I mean, you think of that like, who does that? Well, they did that. But some of you ladies knit. Some of you have knitted clothes for the people who are homeless. You've knitted scars for those things. And I just wonder, maybe that's spirit-filled work taking place. Well, it's not spectacular, but you're putting your skill. I could not knit a thing. You don't want to see me try to knit. I don't want to see me. I don't even want to try to knit, okay? But some of you love knitting. And it's a skill, and you're able to use it, and you're using it for things that are purposeful and helpful. And and it's important that we see that there is also the skill that's involved. Maybe we can't spin goat hair. But some of you are gifted musicians. Some of you are gifted teachers. How many teachers do we have in here? Raise your hands. One, two, three, four. Michael, you teach. Raise your hand. Five, six. (laughs) There's at least six. And that's just in, in maybe an academic setting. You see, that's a skill. How many of you bake? Bakers. (laughs) those who bake see me afterwards i got some work for you baking is a skill yeah eating i have the skill of eating you see there are a lot of skill sets i I used to have this kind of tunnel vision especially in the work of the lord if you're going to be used by god you have to teach 
and you have to play guitar and you have to, there's limited things, but you see, God is filling people with his spirit to do all kinds of things. You know, if you love baking and you would like to, man, I'd love to do some baking. Well, maybe we could do something where you can utilize your skill and instead of us just buying donuts, you can bake cookies. Wouldn't it be great to have made cookies here in the morning? Especially peanut butter or white macadamia, white chocolate macadamia, yeah. So, and, and I say that and we kind of laugh about it, but maybe you just don't realize that your skill is something useful to the things that God is doing and wanting to do. And maybe it wants to be outside of just what we do here on a Sunday. It's not limited to that. Maybe you can actually bake those cookies and take it to those people who are homeless, make them a little bag and, and take it to them. Or maybe, you know, take it to a place where there's foster care and children and you want to bless the families and the children with there. I mean, it, it's not limited, but it's a skill set. Early on, we, uh, our leadership went through what we call the Strengths Finder. And what the Strengths Finder is, is an online uh, kind of not tests, but it's an online assessment that you go through. It's about 25 minutes of answering questions. And the, the questions aren't right or wrong. The question might be, would you rather something is done on time or done well? And you answer three, you know, one, two, three, I want it done on time, or one, two, three, I want it done well, or anywhere in the middle. And as you answer these questions... You see, some of you just immediately, I said, do you want something done on time or done well? Some of you immediately, oh, it's got to be done on time. Okay, that's your type of personality, right? That's what you, and some are, oh man, it's got to be done well. Okay, that's your type of personality. And 25 minutes of answering these kinds of questions, it gives you a top five of what it says. These are the things that you are inclined to. These are the things that you do naturally. And the point is, instead of trying to fix the things you're not so good at, maybe you can excel at the things you really are good at. And so we went through this with our leadership. Actually, we've done through it. We had a couples class where we went through this, and it was hugely helpful. When I've done premarital counseling, I usually have them go through the Strengths Finder, and we talk about those things so that you see how this person is inclined and you see where you're inclined and see them both as strengths. See, some people are methodical. They get things done. They want it done on time. They want it done meticulously. Then there's me. My number one strength is adaptability. I'm the fire ready aim guy. I got an idea. Let's do it. And then you got the methodical person saying, what are you doing? We're doing this. No, we got to plan this out first. And we actually need each other. And so these strengths, these skill sets are all useful. And I want us to all recognize that we are skilled. That we all have a place where we can be of service to God. And so... If you are interested in doing the Strengths Finder, there is a sign-up sheet in the back. If we get enough people, we'll set up another one. We've done about three. I would love to connect you to the things that you naturally connect to. I'd love for you to see those areas where you are strong. And so if you've just been waiting for the place where you could spin goat hair and be used by God, I want you to know that there is a place for you. And that your skill, whatever it might be, has a use. And we want to see it used. It's important that we recognize these things and their importance. And you see, I am here not because I always wanted to be a pastor. I never wanted to be a pastor. I'd never thought pastors, that's the future I want. I didn't even like church. 
I still don't like it a whole lot. <laughs> I like us, but I don't like like the whole church organizational thing. And you guys know me, and I, I thank you for bearing with me and all my issues. But, see, years ago, Jesus got a hold of my life, and he changed me. And from that point on, it it changed me in such a way where the reality of who God is and the reality of God's love as seen in Jesus took hold of my heart where it became the most important thing in my life. And what I wanted more than anything was to help people to connect to this because I remember what it was like to be haunted without it. I remember what it was like to wonder, what is my life about? I remember lying awake at night, just staring at the ceiling saying, what is this? Being afraid of death, even though I was young, I thought, man, if I die, what is that? It's just over and pursuing so many religious thoughts and ways, just feeling empty, 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 and then Christ gets a hold of me, and it all changes. And from that moment on, all I wanted to do was connect people to the God who changed me. And I was just willing. I'm not the educated one, but I can communicate what God did to me. And that's all I do. And I want to help others do the same thing. See, we're not here just to get together and have church. We are all about the person of Jesus. He is the one who motivates, directs, and and consumes what we do and why we do it. It's not just to be better people. It's to be people that God can use to bring others to the awareness of who he is. And and as these people were filled with the Spirit, they took their skill, their ability, and their knowledge, and they put it to service for the things that God wants to do. I was asked at our last leadership meeting, what is your vision for Genesis? And maybe it's been a while since I shared these things, and even it caused me to remember, why did we start Genesis? What do I want to see Genesis become? You know, and that that I detach myself from that role of pastor because I just don't want it to be up to me, but I recognize my importance in in being that leader and so when i was asked it just really kind of summed up back in me all the things that i'd wanted to see take place and you see my desire for genesis is to see each one of you be used fully in the things that god has equipped you to be used in i want to see people helping out and reaching out to those who are in foster care i want to see people who are in the school district helping those kids in the school district maybe we can actually come to the schools and do some work for the schools you know painting or or servicing areas where the kids you know could use some help i want to see us be used as a child care for kids with special needs i want to see our our building be used to help kids who are are maybe struggling in their homework where they can come and have a place of work where they can be encouraged in these things. I have so many things that I want to see done, but I'm not skilled at those things. I can't do those things. But what I want Genesis to be is a place where every skilled laborer is able to put their skills there, bake cookies, serve, teach, do whatever it is, spin goat hair, but to be used by God in the things that you can do for God because I don't want Genesis to be a church. I want Genesis to be part of the movement that God has begun from the time of Christ and even before when God changed history and stepped in to become man. And he's then using men and women to further this message. I want you and I to be a part of this incredible work that if Genesis is gone, that the city says, man, we miss them. They helped in so many ways because we were like Jesus. That's my vision. That's what I want to see take place. And I know now I have a responsibility 
in leading us in that area. And so here we see as all these people connected to the vision that was being placed out. You are now set free from Egypt. You are now God's people, and God is going to establish a place of worship, and you get to all be part of it, contributing to this. They were so excited that they wanted to be a part of this work that we see that there was an explosion of generosity. We see that in verse 36. Or chapter 36, verse 5. Again, it says, if you are willing, bring what you can. And because the people were willing, they had to be restrained. You know, I love what we have done as a community. I mean, we have built a latrine in Haiti. We have been serving missionaries in Mexico for since we've been started. We built a cafeteria in Haiti. We developed a, a food program for Haiti. We have helped start a church in La Paz, New Mexico. La Paz, Mexico, not New Mexico. We are doing a lot and have done a lot of things for this small group of people. I can't tell you how... That blesses me. You guys are so generous. You know, we talked about, well, we're going to need some coats and clothes here for that date, February 6th or whatever it was, to bring those clothes here. I know that there's going to be a ton of coats and a ton of clothes. But Kelly's going to be saying, oh, okay. Let's get a truck, Eric. Let's get it out of here. Because I know you are generous people. And I want to... I want to see that generosity continue to flourish in the things that, that God wants to do. And it's important that we see that willingness is a part of it. It's not because they are being constrained. Most of the time we feel like it's a strain to give until you really want to. You know, it's amazing how many times my wife can go and buy clothes for a grandbaby that isn't even born yet. <laughs> and be so excited. Look at this. Like, oh, yeah, that's great. Look at this. I thought, didn't you get something yesterday? Yeah, but look at this one. And it's not just her. Lauren, same way. Maybe it's a girl thing. These moms, grandmas, the aunts want to just buy everything for the little baby. Why? Because, oh, I want to. I just want to get something for him. I don't have to say, hon, do you want to go buy something for the grandbaby? No, I'm kind of tired, you know. I'd go out, but I'm going to stay and watch TV. No, are you kidding? No, are you kidding? It's, it's not that way at all. Why? Because she's willing. She wants to. It's the desire of her heart. What happens if we knit our willingness, knit our skills, knit all the things that we desire to do for God and push forward and make them happen? What would happen? Maybe we'd be a part of a historic movement for us here at Genesis. And maybe we're, we're in it and we don't realize it just yet. Maybe we can make this a reality in our lives. Could you imagine what the world would be like where people were so generous that they had to be told to stop? Can you imagine the Red Cross said, no more, we have too much. Charity Water said, we have more than enough water or money to build every well that we need to build. What would happen if we were so generous that it just pushed in and pushed in and pushed in? And again, it's not just money. I know it's always weird when churches talk about money. And for the longest time, I have not wanted to talk about Genesis 
getting things for us, but about, oh, let's talk about Haiti. Let's talk about Mexico. Oh, we can give towards this. We can give towards this. But I think if we want to further what we're going to do, just like they had to get things to build the temple, I think it's time that we build something that we can use as a home base to build out of. And so we want to start a Genesis building fund where we can take money, get ourselves into a place, and from that place, we can do more. And I share that with you because I think this is going to be an important part in our history. And it was talking with leadership and talking with others. This isn't just something I say, yeah, I think I'll talk to people about a building. This is something we've been praying about. The reason we haven't pursued a building is so that we could pursue all these other things. See, the reason I still work outside of the salary I get from Genesis is so that we at Genesis can do a lot of things. The people who come here and serve in the morning, who get up, it's not like they're all retired and don't have anything to do. They all have full-time jobs. They all work. And then they get here at 8 o'clock in the morning, even though they don't need to get here at 8.30. I keep telling them that. But they get here at 8 o'clock because they want to get here early. They want to set things up, and they enjoy each other's company. They are here because they are willing. And they have the skill sets, and they put things together, and they do all that we enjoy here. It's people who are willing. I know we're busy. I know things are difficult financially. But you guys have risen to the occasion for everything that we've done. And now what I'm asking is that we prayerfully move forward in doing something for Genesis that will help us do more for the world. It's not just so that we can have a building. It's so that we can have a place that can reach the world, so that we can have a place that can better serve our community, that we can have a place so that we can have a better place for our children and help with our kids. I mean, the people who serve our children do an incredible job. We have so many age groups in one room because that's all that we have is one room. What could we do if we had more than one room? What could we do? And I'm so thankful for those of you who are part of that. That's why we're having the teacher appreciation lunch. We probably have 30 people who serve in the children's ministry or more. Probably 10 of them are in that room right now just with the babies because you have to be one-on-one with those babies. It would be great to be able to do more in all these areas of service. And so if you want to be a part of this building fund, again, you have to be willing. I'm not going to try and push it. I'm not going to try and pull it out of you. But if you want to give and you feel like, yes, I want to be a part of that, I want to bring, then if you... Write a check. You can put the building fund. If you use the tablet, let Mary or whoever's at the next step table know that I want this to go towards the building fund so that we can start accumulating money so that we can actually do a build-out if we get a place and actually afford a place. The places that we've looked at so far, they've been more than we can afford. We're wanting to get a place with maybe 20,000 square feet would be nice, but that's going to cost a lot more than what we have. Now, maybe we could do less than that. Maybe we could do 10000 just have a few services because we need the room for the kids. It's up to us. But more than that, what I want to start developing is the ability to set you free to do the things that God has put on your heart. So if you want to be a part of that Strengths Finder, Sign up so we can do that with you. Later on in March, what I'm going to do is kind of a leadership class to develop those areas and talents, help us connect to the gifts that God has given us to try and find ways where you can put that into practice so that you can use your talents and your abilities for the things that God would want to do. Something happens to you when you start to give out of your generosity. You find that 
you actually become more generous. You know, I, I love my family. I love my wife. I love all my kids. I, I love them to pieces. But when the little baby Judah came, all of a sudden I had a whole lot more love. And I didn't have to take love from Lauren and say, Lauren, sorry, not enough love for you. I've got to give some to Judah. I just had this exponential burst of love. It just increased. And we're not living from a place where our abilities, our resources, spiritual or otherwise, are, are limited. We're, we're going to move in a way that we recognize that God gifts us and enables us and provides for us so that we can do his work. And it starts with that willingness and that desire. And you'll find that as you give in your, of yourself that you want to give more that it's something that you desire to do. I, I want to be here. I want to be a part of this community. I, I love who we are. I love you. I love what you've done. I, I love that I can be who I am in front of you and be genuine, that I can share with you the things that are important, that I feel God has Put on my heart and that you listen and I love when you challenge them I, I love that we can have dialogue in those things I, I love that we're breaking out of some molds that I think have maybe hindered or held us back and more than anything I want to see everyone here recognize their abilities remember we don't go to church we are the church I don't want to be part of an organization. I want to continue the movement, the historic movement that began with Jesus. And I believe God is calling you to that movement as well. So let's go there together. Let's see what we can do to change our community, to change our world, to help people recognize that the God that they are looking for has already been looking for them. He's come for them. And his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I am thankful for your faithfulness. I'm thankful for everyone here. I'm thankful for all those who serve you in so many ways, so many capacities, Lord. Not only here at Genesis, but even in the things they do outside of these walls. Lord, those ladies who get together and pray for their children on a regular basis those men who have Bible studies at their work just because they're hungry to hear your word in their daily lives. For those who, who bring up you in conversations with their friends, their classmates. Lord, all the things that are taking place in, in the hearts of your people because they are willing to be used and serve you. And so, Father, I pray that we would be able to, to collect together, Lord, this willingness, these skills, and, Lord, put in there the generosity, not just a financial generosity, a generosity of time, a generosity of love that you can increase to see your work take place. I, I pray that you would inspire us that you would give me wisdom lord to to be able to be a good pastor to be able to raise people up to do more than i can do to take 
what you want to do further than I can go. To see their gifts used fully. I want to see everyone here filled with your spirit and their skills and their talents and their abilities to be set on fire for you. And Lord, may today be a moment in history when we went from being just a church to being part of that movement. May, may we make history yielding ourselves to your work, your goodness, and your love for the people around us. Lord, I, I thank you for the excitement I feel, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a new granddad or just because it's you, but I'm so thankful that I'm here and I get to share my life with these people and doing these things. Lord, knit our hearts together. May we care as you care. May we love as you love. Inspire us to be like you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's let's all stand together as Raymond leads us in a song. May every area that you see as an inability in your life be replaced with a God who is able. May you recognize that you are his workmanship created in Christ to do good works. And may you be filled with the Spirit of God to use your skills to build his kingdom. God bless you guys. Have a great day. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.